wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn, for in Christ I have found new life. I looked up a little, did a little research this week on Jesus uh, of himself said that he was greater than the temple. Now, you got to understand, that was uh, a temple that was some 46 years in building. And we're talking, it must have been some kind of temple, called it Herod's temple. Um, and they awed and oohed when they went in that temple. Ooh, look at this, look at that. It was some architectural wonder. And Jesus said, I'm greater than the temple. Now, for any Jew to say they're greater than the temple, Wow. But he said more than that. He said, I'm greater than Jonah. Jonah was, was big. You know, Jonah, even though he was somewhat reluctant at the beginning, through him was the greatest revival that ever has occurred in this world, as far as we know. As a Nineveh and that whole group, that whole group of people, the Assyrians, got right with God. It actually delayed Syria, Assyria coming down upon Israel some 150 years, which is recorded in Nahum. He was greater than Jonah. He said, one greater than Jonah is here. He said, this is an astounding one. He said he was greater than Solomon, Matthew 12, 42, if you want to look at that. He's greater than Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man ever lived, except when it came to women, he was a fool. How many wise men have become a fool around women? He was wise in every other area of life, but he was a fool when it came to women. Anybody that have a thousand wives would be a fool. <laughs> Two women in the same kitchen don't make it. I can't imagine a thousand. And he ended, he ended very poorly, very poorly. They, they led him astray. He, Jesus said, and now he was, said he was greater than Jacob and Abraham, John 4, 12, John 8, 53. He was greater than Jacob, which was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's big. But get bigger, he was greater than Abraham. He says before Abraham, he said, they said, you're not even 50 years old. Who you, who you make yourself out to be? He said, oh, before Abraham was, I am. Not that I was, I am. That eternal name of being with no beginning and no end, the Alpha and the Omega. He said in uh, John 5, 36, that he was greater than John the Baptist, and he himself said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that ever, ever walked the face of the earth. He said, I'm greater than John the Baptist. Who do you make your, out yourself to be? He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was God, as it says in the Bible, manifest in the flesh. And I don't think we make too much of Jesus. I don't think we overdo it. No. The clearest place of the entire Bible where he's described is found, you wouldn't expect this, I don't believe, as a New Testament believer, some 2,000 years almost away from the cross. And we're not quite 2,000 yet, but 2032 will be 2,000 years. Um. And a lot of you won't be here at 2032. 
And it's not because you moved out of Bonita. I don't know if I'll be here. I doubt if I'll be here even in 2032. But the greatest, most clear place in the Bible that describes Jesus Christ is found in the Old Testament. For you people that may think the Old Testament's passe, not necessary to be read, you're wrong. Because Isaiah 53 Describes our Lord as good as you could describe it. I'm going to read it. We're going to read it. Isaiah 53. Go to it. If you want to, you don't have to. You don't have to follow me. You can just listen. Isaiah 53, I memorized as a 20-year-old and have quoted to myself over and over again as I go down the road in my vehicle. As I sometimes am sleepless, that hasn't happened lately. But I went two years, I couldn't sleep much, and God took sleep away from me. And so I said, well, then this is going to be the best Bible study I've had in a long time. The devil talked God into giving me sleep back. Man, we've got to give this boy sleep back or he's going to get to know the Bible too much. Because I used my sleeplessness for God. You know, if you ever want to, if you ever want to get cured on something, use it for God. And the devil will argue for your healing. Are you with me out there? Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I'm going to read it. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I preach a whole message on that. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. These next three verses. Wow. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for whose transgressions? Ours. He was bruised for whose iniquities? Ours. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That was our peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. This is what the message is going to talk about. That's the text verse. And all we like sheep have gone astray. No, there's nobody in this room that's okay with God. There's nobody in this room, and there's nobody walking the planet that is okay with God. You're an enemy of God, naturally, because you're in the flesh, and not one good thing dwells in us. You say, bro, that hurts my feelings. You're going to have to have more hurt than that. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each, we've, everyone has turned to his own way. How many? Everyone. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all. Now that's called in theology vicarious atonement. Substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Whew. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought us a lamb to the slaughter of the sheep before his shears was done. Dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You know why he didn't open his mouth? Because what Jesus said happened. Because the Bible says by him all things were created in heaven, earth, and earth. So whatever he spoke happened. 
You have to be real careful, wouldn't you? If everything you spoke happened, you had that kind of authority. Jesus was quiet during his punishment. During his taking of our sins upon himself, he was quiet. Now, didn't they try to get him to talk? Didn't they, didn't they go around him like dog, barking around him? He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet, this verse here, you're gonna, in, in, in this verse you see God's attitude towards our sin. We don't have the right attitude towards our sin. We don't. We don't understand how horrible sin is and how destructive it is because we don't have the right attitude. We, we cater to our sin. We coddle our sin. We're easy on ourselves. But God the Father was not easy on the Son. When he took your sin, it was real. How do I know that? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Wow. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Glory to God. I hope you're one of them. For he shall bear their iniquities. Another substitutionary verse. I'll go over them in a minute. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He should divide the spoil with the strong because he had poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, another substitutionary statement. And he made intercession for the transgressors. Where is Jesus Christ now? He's on the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and for you. I need it. I need it. Let me say this. Are you down today? Are you a little depressed over something today? Jesus is on the right hand of the Father as a born-again believer making intercession for you. <laughs> Things are looking up. The devil's the one that comes to you and tells you, oh, it's hopeless. Oh, it's hapless. It's helpless. It's shot. No, brother. Not as long as my Savior's on the right hand of the Father making intercession for me, it's not shot. Well, I think this is the clearest place in the whole Bible of his redemptive act. What do you think? He is mentioned 26 times in 12 verses. It's all about Jesus. This chapter is considered by the Jews as a forbidden chapter. The rabbis, especially orthodox ones, do not allow their people and tell their people, do not read this. I wonder why. I suppose to say this chapter is a gruesome elegance. Gruesome elegance. What, what two words? Gruesome elegance would be an understatement. Just for your own benefit of study, there are four servants' songs in the book of Isaiah. Let me go over them quickly. Isaiah 42, 1 through 6 says in verse 1, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. We see it again in Isaiah 49 and verse 6. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. We see it in chapter 50, verse 6. 
I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And fourth, servant song. We see it, of course, in the book of Isaiah 53, or chapter 53, excuse me. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Words fail me, really, to describe this chapter, but I'm going to do my best. Herbert Lockyer called it the golden passional of the Old Testament. C.H. Spurgeon said, I've lost the power to doubt him when I see his wounds out of Isaiah 53. <laughs> Polycarp, which most of you have never met. I think Brother Sikora knew him. Are you listening back there, Billy? Raise your hand. Oh, God bless you, brother. Billy's been resurrected this week himself. Every verse seems, Polycarp said, every verse seems to drip with the ruby blood of our Redeemer. Woo. D.L. Moody, when he was asked to explain his creed, what do you believe? He said, it's the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. That's what I believe. Oh, I like that. A good answer. Let me point out three observances uh, on the phrase, with his stripes, we are healed. First, God treats sin as a disease. Now, I'm going to explain that because some people uh, take that and, and twist it. But, but from this, by his stripes, we are healed. Indicates that God treats sin as a disease. No question I believe sin is much more than a disease. It is a willful crime. People do choose to sin. But people are sinners by nature. And that part is infectious. That part is, is terminal. And you're not going to will it away. You're not going to work it away. You've got to get reborn from above. Radical transplant surgery. I have to be given a new heart. If I may say, I need to be given a new life. May I sing? New life in Christ, abundant and free. Oh, I like that song. Sin is abnormal, disturbing, and destructive, just like a disease. Sin breaks the ability of life to function, just like a disease. Disturbs the body from its normal function. We have a doctor in the house. We have a couple of doctors in the house. And uh, if you disagree, don't say anything. Just keep doing this. Sin wastes, takes our moral energy, just like disease weakens our mortal bodies. Sin both causes pain, deadens our ability to reason between right and wrong, just like a high fever confuses and disorients us. Sin often produces visible corruption and destruction of our bodies and souls. Just like measles or smallpox or leprosy or cancer do to our bodies. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen how sin ages somebody? People ask me, Bill, why do you look so young? I really have only ever had one person ask me that, and I told them to ask me. I do believe sin ages people prematurely. It, it, 
it accelerates the aging process. I've seen numbers, my share of people out in the world and in sin doing all kinds of debauchery and wicked things. And I'm going to tell you, they look rough. The Bible calls it hard. Or not the Bible. The world calls it hard. They look hard. They begin to, they begin to get wrinkles prematurely. Their hair may gray prematurely. Now, if you have gray hair, I'm not indicating anything on that. <laughs> you ever gone to a, I've never been to my high school reunion, and I'm not going. I don't want to see a bunch of eight fat old people. And, and, and have to go up there and say, who are you? And she said, what do you mean? You dated me. I say, man, I'm glad I quit. I'm so bad. Please forgive me. Sin tends to increase as time goes on, just like a disease does. Oh, yeah. Get Lyme disease. Don't treat it right away and see what happens a couple years down the road. It'll take over. It'll take over your perfectly healthy body just like sin. If you leave it alone, it'll just ignore it. It'll take over your perfectly sound spirit. Sin is hereditary, universal, extremely contagious, defiling, incurable, and terminal. Sin, is a disease, sin as a disease does not end with the death of the body, but concentrates its vile forces on the eternal soul and the spirit that remain. The devil's not happy enough to destroy your body and deceive you and have you destroy your body by living in sin. He wants to destroy your soul. He wants to cast you into a place and see you cast into the place he is going. Hell is full of sin, diseased people writhing in their sickness, oozing in their filthiness, squirming in their pain and sorrow. I'm not exaggerating. Hell is where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Jesus said it. Mark chapter 9, read it. Don't miss God's cure for this dastardly, demonical, damning disease called sin. You know, I don't know how many of you ever watched the old original Batman series. That, that affected my preaching. On that old Batman series, they used to do D, 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 and B, 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 and everything. And I do that. I find myself doing that in a sermon. Same thing. It helps me to remember. I see, well, they did it. It's, sin is dastardly in nature. It's demonical in origin. It'll damn you and your soul. So sin is, is as a disease. Secondly, we find from this passage... There's a remedy. Ooh, I like that. By his stripes, we're healed. I like to quote the psalmist says, He healeth all thy diseases. He forgives all thine iniquities. I love that. I quote that to him all the time, pray it all the time. The Bible says, With his stripes, we're healed. The cure in this life is Jesus. Don't miss it. Nine times in 53rd chapter, we see Jesus being the cure. Let me read them to you. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. With his stripes we are healed. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. For he shall bear their iniquities. He bare the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. Like a physician that prepares a wound, so by prayer we come to God and beg for help. Our belief is the bandage that holds the medicine. Our trust in him is the hand that secures it to the wound. And our repentance is the first symbol of healing. I thank God I got saved. These things would not do anything if it wasn't that he took my place. I can't get my mind around the fact that Jesus took my place. The stripes that should have been mine became his. The torment that was his, which should have been mine, became his. Thirdly, we notice that the remedy is immediately effective. Oh, I like that. You're here today, miserable, suicidal, just don't want to go on. I can tell you, in confidence, Jesus will cure you of that. He'll give you reason to get up in the morning. He'll give you purpose for living. And he'll reward you with the pleasure of seeing other people healed also as you go around telling them Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Our conscience is healed of its guilt. Our heart is healed of its love of sin. Our will is healed of its rebellion. And our minds sense the release when you got saved, how many in this room, when you got saved, you felt lighter? Raise your hand. Oh, man, big old portion. You got lighter. It's like, it's like you got lighter. I've seen people saved, and I've said this over and over and over again. And guess what? I'm going to say it again. People get saved, their face changes, man. They're just face changes. I mean, I don't know how it changes. It's the best facelift you ever had is getting born again. It, it'll put a newness in your look. It'll put, a, it'll put a brightness in your eyes. A twinkle. Yeah. How many testimonies I've heard of that. Man, I feel lighter preacher. I feel better. I feel unburdened. I feel clean. I feel new. I feel healed. And it is so. If getting saved this morning doesn't take three weeks. You don't work your way into getting saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If you meet God where he asks you to come, he instantly, miraculously, supernaturally will save you, birth you from above, give you a new heart, pull back the consequences in some degree of your sin. Now, in this old life, sometimes we reap what we do, and in the Bible, we, read, we do reap what we sow somewhat. If you got drunk and in an accident, lost your leg, he's probably not going to give you that leg back, but he'll give you a heart that's like brand new. You can be healed if you'll respond. I like the song, look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Just like in the, when, the, when uh, the children of Israel rebelled and, and God sent serpents among them and, and he had Moses build a pole with a, 
one of the uh, image of one of those serpents on it. When they, it's, it's, it lifted that pole up and said, "Whosoever looks on this pole will be healed from that that serp, those fiery serpents." Uh, and when they looked, they they lived. Now what's looking? That's all they had to do. Look and live, my brother. Live. Look to Jesus now and live. It's not hard. But can you believe that there were people that died in that camp because they wouldn't look at the the uh, pole? That was made to heal him. Now imagine that. Too rebellious to look. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to. It's to your own destruction. Look to Jesus now, Liv. Drop your stuff. Drop your will. Drop your plans. And give your life to Christ. <clears throat> At 18 years old, I decided to live for Jesus. I'm 67 now. I know you can't believe that. But at 67, I can tell you, ooh, it's good. I'm so glad I lived for Christ. I don't have a life full of regrets. I go back and review my past and rejoice for the most part. Oh, I've, I, I've made some bad decisions, said some bad things, been stupid. Is my wife here? My wife here? She's in a nursery at home. I only say that stuff when she's not here because otherwise you hear a little, amen. <laughs> you can be healed. I like a sinner's plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. In fact, that was saying at the beach. Jayla on her 26th birthday saying, come to that fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty sins. You're going to be able to remember when you're old. When I was 26 years old, I got to sing on Bonita Beach to maybe a thousand or more folks, I'm sure of that, and got to lift Jesus up. I don't know a better thing to do on your birthday. In gratitude, giving yourself to the great physician to seek, uh, then begin to seek other sick folks. I like that. Seek other sick folks and help them. You, you, what kind of monster would you be? Doc, what kind of monster would a man be, a chemist or somebody that's working research and development to cure cancer, that came with, up with a silver bullet? They came up with the cure for cancer. And it wasn't crazy. You know, you didn't have to go through all this stuff, lose your hair and all this other stuff. You just had to take this one pill and, whoop, that was over. All the cancer was, would be gone. It wouldn't grow on you. Who would ever come up with a cure for cancer, and then not tell anybody. When you see people all over, left hand and right hand, dying of cancer or being stricken with cancer if they don't die of it, and, and going through the horror of it, well, what kind of monster would you be? I have to say to you, Christian, what kind of monster are you that won't share the best thing that's ever happened, the fact that Jesus healed all your diseases and by his stripes you're healed, that won't just share that with the people you bump into as you go through this life? I say that to myself. I believe we can, we should be as, as I'm going to get, I'm going to get it out. I believe we that have been born from above are forever grateful once we've been healed. We're forever grateful. Nick, I remember when he came and got healed. 
is a bad shape. Nick, he was a member of the Carbone Mafia. <laughs> and uh, he came and got saved. Nick's been so grateful that he got on one of them yellow buses for just three months. And he's never got off. How many years now? 18? 19? What do you say? <laughs> A long time. <laughs> That's what it'll do to you. That's what it'll do to you. Because once you've been healed of the, of the wicked disease of sin, and you've had the blood, the remedy of the blood of Christ poured over your soul, and you have been released, and you feel the lightness of salvation, and the gratitude begins to pour into your soul that he literally has saved you, not for just this life, but he's saved you for all eternity. He's gone to prepare a place for you. All I can tell you, by what he's made, whatever that place is, it's going to knock my socks off. Amen? Wow. I just love to be saved. It's just beautiful to be saved. It's beautiful to know that everything that happens in my life is under his direction. Good, bad, and ugly, it's under his direction. We were at the beach preaching this morning, and the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And I'm not much into superstition. But there was a dove at the place that I was preaching. It landed over, right over by and started cooing. When Jayla was singing, your singing was so sweet that the dove sat there, got the big throat, you know, and began to coo. My wife got a picture of it. You literally were causing that dove to begin to coo. And I think that was the Holy Spirit saying, yes, Jayla, that's the right thing. The whole, you know, that dove wouldn't leave us alone, man. If it, I thought it was going to light up my head and I would have a flame of fire coming out. You know, I didn't know. I, I'm for it. I need it. God knows. Man, oh, man. You know, just everything you get to do in life as a born-again Christian is sweet. I'm telling you, it's sweet. I'm not lying to you. I'm not exaggerating a bit. If anything I say to you this morning, it's, it, is, it is saying less than the reality. I hope you're and have been healed of this thing called sin. Now, let me say this. If you don't take Christ's cure, you're going to face your own sin before him at the Bible calls a great white throne judgment seat. And everybody that stands before him at the great white throne judgment is cast into the lake of fire forever to pay for their own sin. Christ paid for your sin. Why in the world would you pay for your sin? Why would you do that? It's insanity. Trust Jesus as your Savior. You say, preacher, I don't know how. In invitation time, you come forward or after service later on, we'll be around here. Brother Moon, myself, Brother Chris, we'll be around. One of the deacons say, I, I need to be saved. I know, I trust Christ. Well, you come and we'll make it happen. We'll talk to you about how to, and we'll one-to-one -one in a room. Ladies, we'll, we'll give you with a, another lady and you can talk to her about it. Maybe you don't want to trust Christ today, but at least you hear about it. At least you know better about it than you did before. Don't miss it. If nothing else on the resurrection day, 
at least seek the truth. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You should not perish, but have everlasting life. But you must believe. And the Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the children of God. If I had a million dollars in a suitcase, a million dollars uh, will fill a large suitcase if it's in small bills. It'll fill us a, a pretty large one million dollars. You can carry it. How do I know that? Ask me later. $21 million in small bills will fill a van, a typical size van. It'll fill it. How do I know that? Ask me later. If I had tw- if I had a million dollars in a suitcase and I said, I want to give this to you, and I'm standing here and I say, I want to give this to you, and you just said, well, that's nice. I like that. And you said to me, preacher, that's a sweet thing that you want to give me that. And you say, well, preacher, I believe... I opened the suitcase, showed you the money. It's real. You said, I believe it's real. I mean, it's real. I want to give it to you. But you never came to me and and said, I want it, and reached your hand out and got a hold of the suitcase and took it. You'll leave here as poor as you came. And I'm offering to you way more riches than that through the gospel this morning. And you can say, well, I like what you say, I'm for what you say, I'm friendly to what you say, I hang around people that are safe. But if you don't personally meet God one-to-one, say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I am unable to save myself by any amount of good works that I may think I have done. Father, I need Jesus to save me. I believe he died. I believe he was resurrected from the grave. I believe he was who he said he was. If you're a simple child like faith, will meet God, and he'll touch you, and he'll birth you from above. You know, all I know is the, faith, the, the thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That was enough. All I know is that old boy that came into the temple and beat his chest and wouldn't even look to heaven and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know one thing, that was enough. I'm saying there may be different wordings, but it's got to be the same. You come to the same place with God. You come. Father, thank you this morning for your spirit. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. He's been lifted up one more time. Like that serpent in the wilderness, he's been lifted up. Father, please draw all men to yourself. May Lord God, somebody be saved this morning. Somebody take the cure that Isaiah 53 offers. That they would go to the Gospel of John chapter 3, read verse 16 all the way to 36. Would, Would seek you. Father, may it be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.